Amen, amen, amen. As we make our way to the room, good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. I want to try something new today. So one of the things I loved about growing up in the black church was the call and responses, right? And we do a lot of that here at Soma with our liturgy, but I want to try a little call and response. Some people may know it. When I say God is good, your response is all the time and all the time, God is good. Amen. Let's try that real quick. God is good and all the time. Amen. Can we give God a hand clap of praise this morning? Amen. Here at Soma, we believe the gospel changes everything. And if you're new here, now you know what our heart is. Our heart is to reach people. In the back of your chair, there, is a, there are connect cards. And if you fill out that connect card, we can get in touch with you, right? We can hear your story. You can learn a little bit more about us, and we can get you connected. Forgot to mention my name. My name is Tez, and I'm a uh, Soma member here. I'm a part of the Cool MC, and that's where we pretty much meet weekly, bi-weekly. We have about four MCs so far, and there's more to come. So if you want to get plugged in and to meet new people, I encourage you to get plugged in at an MC. So we do liturgy here, and essentially it's a more call and response. So what I want you to do is turn your attention to the screen and read the underlined portions. That which was, was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it. As we go into our time of... Oh, it's more. Sorry. My bad, y'all. Praise the Lord. Amen. And proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Let us testify. Now, we're going into our time of worship, amen. See, I'm, hey, I, I got some stuff I'm trying to give to the Lord, amen, so I'm just trying to get there, you feel me? Amen. So we're going into our time of worship, I encourage you. Take this time, clear your mind, clear your heart, give everything that you have to the Lord. Let us worship. Amen. Can you stand to your feet? We just go before the Lord and worship this morning. Please don't hold 
Yesterday I was getting my hair cut, and you know the little capes that cover you to prevent the hair from falling all over you? I attempted to count all the little hair pieces on the little cape. Don't worry. I got to about two before I fell, you know. So but it was very humbling, because I was like, although I don't know the number, God does. I find it crazy that God knows every single strand of hair on our head. Do you know? And he knows, he's so aware of every single strand of hair that falls from our head. He is so aware of every tear that drops from our eyes. He is so aware of us. But to be honest with you, I got to keep it a stack. I don't always believe that. Sometimes I try to do things my way. Sometimes I try to take matters into my own hand. Sometimes I think I know everything. That's a lot. But God knows us. He loves us so deeply. And he invites us, right, to confess. Confession is taking everything and agreeing with God. God, this thing that I've been carrying, I'm not supposed to carry. This sin that I may have been engaging in, I agree that this is sin. This is against your standard and as we go into this time of confession we have an opportunity that every weight every burden every single thing that we may come in here carrying we can give it to God and he invite all oh, y'all are so quiet I'm sorry we can give it to God like that is good news even now as we're coming to confess these things that he invites us our Father, who loves us deeply, invites us to give these things to Him. So, read the underlined portion with me. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Father, we agree with your word. Also in this time of confession, we're also partaking in communion. Communion is an opportunity to remind ourselves of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. The, 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 uh, the cup representing the blood that was shed for us and the bread representing his body that was beaten and torn for us. We will have gluten-free to my right, your left. Confess now, and let's go back into worship. As we go into these next set of songs, we're being invited to, in Spanish, do exactly as Ted was saying, not only confess that we are broken and sinful, but also lift our hands up and surrender. So I see the word to say, levanto mis manos, you're going to lift your hands 
as an, a, a physical manifestation of your surrender unto the Lord. We're then going to proclaim together that Dios está aquí. God is here among us, ready to meet us exactly where we are. Then together we're going to recognize that while we are sinful and broken, God is good. And we're going to say, Dios, repeat after me, Dios, Dios. ha sido bueno. Say, Dios, Dios. ha sido bueno. That means God has been good. Let's worship him together. Levanto mis manos Aunque no tenga fuerza Levanto mis manos Aunque tenga mil problemas
take a moment and just lift our hands to the Lord? Because we sang it. But now can you confess it with your own heart? God, nothing matters. I know I made it a big deal this week. But as I think about it, Lord, nothing matters. If it's going to rob my focus on you, if it's going to take me away from glorifying you, if it's taking my peace and it's taking my joy, Lord, that doesn't matter because you're the center, Lord. I redirect my attention back to you and who you are and what you say and your principles and your standards and your statutes, God. I submit to you because you're the center. So, Lord, we want you to take center stage in our life, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. So just lift your hands and we'll just sing it one more time. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Jesus, you're the I want you to close your eyes for me real quick. This morning, I was listening to a song called Come Out of Hiding. And as my eyes were closed, I just picture Jesus singing this over me. It says, come out of hiding. You're safe here with me. There's no need to cover what I already see. You've got your reasons, but I hold your peace. You've been on lockdown, and I hold the key. Because I loved you before you knew it was love. And I saw it all. Still, I chose the cross. And you were the one that I was thinking of when I rose from the grave. Hear these words. Now, rid of the shackles. My victory is yours. Somebody just say, my victory. His victory is mine. Jesus' victory is ours. Hallelujah. Mm. His victory on the cross is ours. And we can live shame-free. No more guilt. No more heavy burden. He gives us the opportunity to give that to him. Every burden that we carry every weight that we carry, every fear that we have, everything we have, we can place it before the cross of Christ. And it's great because we can assure ourselves, which is the time that we're at now, is the time of assurance. Would you read the underlying portion with me? By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him for whoever whenever our heart condemns us God is greater than our heart and he knows everything beloved if our heart does not condemn us we have confidence before God and whatever we ask we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him and this is his commandments that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. 
just as he, as he has commanded us, whoever keeps his commandments abide in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Brothers and sisters, we come to our time where we pass the peace. This is an opportunity to reassure one another, to show love to one another, to hug, right, to pray. Hey, if y'all got to have y'all moment, y'all do y'all thing, you know. This is also a time where we dismiss our Soma kids to the back so y'all can go have class. I hope y'all have an amazing time. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you to meet somebody new that you don't know. We have a lot of new faces in here. I encourage you to meet somebody new. Go ahead and pass the peace.
everybody let's bring it back together we have some announcements to share good morning it's so good to see everybody I'm so glad that you all could make it this morning here with us I don't know about you but it's always encouraging to come here on Sunday morning and to catch up with people and to worship, hear God's word. I'm so glad to see you. Um, we have a few announcements in our community to be sharing. Uh, first, though, um, here's our giving link for our members. Please, if you haven't yet um, gotten connected, this QR code will get you connected to giving. Um, if you just, anybody out there just want to give a give, go ahead. Um, that, that'll get you there. Um, uh, Liturgy Team Sync and Training is coming up September 23rd at 10.30 here. If you want to participate in writing liturgy or leading liturgy, come out. Okay, and this is a change from what had been originally September 23rd, 10.30 a.m. Um, September 24th, that Sunday, we will have a brief family meeting following our worship gathering that Sunday. It will be brief, so we won't be serving lunch. 
Um, it, yes, it will be brief. Um, also, for the teens, um, we have a slide for that, I, I believe. Yes. So there is a bonfire coming up September 15th, Friday night, 7 to 9 p.m. at Chris and Kelly Rogers' house. The address is there. Um, it is, I'm assuming it's in the newsletter. And um, if you need to get this address after this slide goes away, feel free to uh, talk to me or Tez or any of the other leaders that you know, Nora over here. Um, so Real Teens Fall Bonfire, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Rogers' house, Friday, September 15th. Um, also, as we say every week, a way to connect to the community is through our small groups. We call them missional communities. We are on mission together in this world. And we need one another to carry each other's burdens, to help each other. Um, the Bible is full of the one anotherings, you know, to pray for one another, uh, to carry one another's burdens, to serve one another. And that, the place that we do that is in our missional community. So if you're not connected, I encourage you to um, you know, fill out a connect card and put it in the basket. And we'll get you connected to the various uh, missional communities that might fit your schedule. Um, we are having a holistic health and wellness workshop series starting September 18th at 6 p.m. Refer to your Northwest News Weekly for the link to sign up. Also, um, a, a bit of administration for the church. So most of you have heard us refer to CCB, which is our church management system, and it stands for Church Community Builder. So if you hear us talk about CCB, that's the church management system, um, Church Community Builder. Andrew Hughes, Andrew, are you in here right now? Oh, he's out in kids. Okay. Um, he is going to be in the lobby with his laptop um, over here in the corner over this section um, to help update your profile in CCB to assure that we have your correct information. So if you've ever filled out a Connect card, we have your email address in CCB, but that is probably all the information we have. So we want your, you know, your phone number. Maybe even say if you're married, your spouse's your name so we can connect them to you or even your children if you have children. Um, your address, we do send stuff out, uh, your actual physical address. And having your address is important because as needs pop up, we, we may need to just drop off a meal to you sometime. And we want to be able to, to, to get that information so we can serve you when, when those needs come. Um, so, yep, go see Andrew. Uh, let's see here. And then the connect cards. I already mentioned those. They're in the seat in front of you or in the bottom. If you have any desire to serve in any way, we are always needing volunteers. So whether it's in childcare, uh, greeting on Sunday mornings, slides and AV, the worship team and liturgy, um, we do have a number of those cards that people have submitted and we're in the process of following up with you on those. So if you haven't been contacted and you've and you filled out a card, you will be uh, here shortly. Um, and that's it for the announcements this morning. Can you all stand to your feet as we sing this next worship song to prepare our hearts for the word that God has for us. For those of you who read the word of God, you may have read about the parable of a sower. And there was, you know, some seed that was being scattered. And I believe that the Lord has a word from our pastor Jeff this morning. And we want to prepare our hearts so that that seed can take root and that we can begin to experience transformation in our lives. 
And it was just a couple days ago, I, I was able to have dinner with some friends and one of the friends was sharing with me, don't be ashamed of your story. And as I continue to reflect on that, um, the Lord reminded me about a time when I was gardening and I was taking up some weeds. And when I was ripping the weeds out of the garden, all of these bugs just started coming out and scattering all over. The, it was just nasty. And the Lord was like, yep, that's what I'm doing in your heart right now. I'm uprooting weeds so that all that nasty bug stuff can get out of your heart. And so I can't help but say worship is what softens my heart. That's the reason why I'm a worship leader. I know I'm not knocking medication and stuff like that, but I promise you, worship. Matter of fact, if you look up scientifically that music, it creates dopamine. And it's, if you read it and you, and you do research, like it's supposed to be stronger than crack. That's why I think when musicians are like crackheads, I'm like, man, they greedy. They want all the dopamine, you know? <laughs> Nevertheless, I pray it's no crackheads in here, but I just want to say, if you weren't, can we just say, Lord, thank you for deliverance, right? Can we say, Lord, thank you for deliverance? So we're going to thank the Lord that he has freed us from other things and we can now lift our hands and worship and say God thank you for softening our hearts so I want to invite those who like I don't even know how to lift my hands I don't know how to worship I don't know what that is I want you to view your heart like a garden and view your worship like rain because something happens when you lift up your hands and you really start meditating on the words that you're singing and then you think about what God is doing and then he lets tears fall and that's okay. We often want to stop those tears, but uh-uh, what if that, those tears are really softening your hard heart? And that's the only way weeds can be uprooted and the seed can be planted. And then now we don't have, you know, all that uh, other crazy stuff going on in our hearts. Although we do struggle with it, but our worship will continue to soften our hearts so that whatever needs to be removed, it will be easily removed, amen? And whatever the Lord has for us, it can easily be deposited in our heart and take root so we can reflect the light because we want to be imitators of him, amen? That's what the scripture tells us in Ephesians 5 and 1. He said, like dear children, be imitators of me. And it is hard, y'all, but I'm telling you, when you actually do it, and people start asking you, why are you doing it? You get to point back to the light. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. So I'm able to do what the Bible says in Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I can experience that strength because 2 Corinthians 12 reminds us that when I'm weak, his strength is made perfect in me. So it's okay to be weak, brothers and sisters, because how can we experience God's perfect strength unless we experience weakness? So God, we just ask that you help us today. We look to you today. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. May we hear you today like we've never heard you before. May the person that's in this room that will say, I have never heard God speak Lord, may he hear your voice 
like never before. He can't walk from this building denying that you are speaking even now. God, I thank you that we look to you and I thank you that your name is a strong tower, that the righteous, those who believe in you, run to it and we are safe in you. God, I thank you that there's safety in this place even now for the believer and even the unbeliever. And I thank you, God, that you gather us together on one accord, even now, in order for your presence to be made known. So Lord, we just wanna see and experience your light today. May you continue to show us your light, that we may continue to pursue it and not get stuck in darkness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hallelujah. So we're going to sing this song like a prayer this morning as we prepare our hearts for his word. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you for who you are, God. I was walking and searching, trying to find my way. Lost in the darkness, but praying for the day that a flame would ignite in the darkest of nights for me. Sing that again. It was light. It was a
Father, God, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. God, we thank you for the light that is you that has shined in our hearts that we would come and worship you. God, it's a blessing to be able to gather as the saints, to come together, to fellowship, to worship with one another. God, so I pray that as we come together, God, that this would not be wasted that we would take your word seriously, that we will be humble, have open hearts to let your word change in us what needs to change. God, I pray for your people that we will be hungry for you and only you. God, we trust your promise that your word will not come back void. So do, it is that you will. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. So who's him? Who is him? Now some of y'all are like, how are we going to know who him is if you didn't tell us his name? And it's, we got some teachers in here. The teacher's like, that's not even grammatically correct. You got to ask that differently. Well, hold on. Let me show you what I mean. So there's a saying that we say in this day about I'm him or he's him. Some of y'all confused. Let me break it down for you. So Austin Reeves, 
Austin Reeves was a 23-year-old kid from Arkansas, middle of nowhere, went undrafted in the NBA. But somehow, this kid who probably didn't even really look like a hooper ends up playing for one of the biggest organizations in the NBA, the Los Angeles Lakers. So Austin Reeves gets on the Lakers, and even then, people still didn't really know who he was. But over the last couple years, Austin Reeves started becoming a household name. Now, but that didn't set him up. I'm going to tell you what set him up. So it was in the playoffs last year, the Lakers versus the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, obviously, the Lakers have the greatest basketball of all time on their roster already. <laughs> hey, this is my sermon, so I'm going to preach it the way I want to preach it. <laughs> but you got LeBron James on the team. You got AD. AD's a beast. But it got to the end of this game, and they were trying to close it out in the playoffs. LeBron was gassed. AD wasn't showing up. Nobody could beat this team to shut it down. But then, Austin Reeves, they gave him the ball. Austin Reeves, bucket, three, bam. People start going crazy. Another shot, cross somebody up, boom, does it again. And then, to close it out, takes a floater, makes it in. LeBron, their whole team, the fans, they're going crazy. And then the camera peers in on Austin Reeves, and you look at him, he says, I'm him, I'm him. <laughs> Austin Reeves. Now, you ain't got to be a professional athlete to have those moments. For example, when I'm at the house chilling, I got to ball up a piece of paper and throw it in the trash. I look at my one-year-old, and I switch it in. I'm him. Yesterday, the women's event, they had a wonderful time fellowshipping at our house. Hey! But I had my three kids during that time. And when I came home, I looked at my wife. I'm him. So why do I bring this up? In a world and in a culture today, the reality is that many of us have adopted this idea that we are him or her. Regardless if you're an NBA player or a genius or a CEO, every one of us at some point in time have believed that we're actually the center of the universe and therefore everything should evolve around us. We dictate our relationships based on our happiness. We make church about our desires and our preferences. And we even evaluate our relationship with God based off of how well he does our will or answers our prayers. The danger of believing that we're him or her isn't just that we have unrealistic expectations. But the biggest danger of all is that when we think we're that person, we actually end up ignoring the only one who is him. So as we begin this new sermon series through the Gospel of John, it will become abundantly clear who's actually him. From the very first verses of this gospel to its last verses, there's one person at the center of all existence. In other words, there's one person who's actually worthy of all the praise, honor, and glory, and demands our attention, and John wants to leave you with no doubt in your mind that that person is Jesus the Christ. Therefore, we'll see John introduce us to him by answering three questions in these first five verses. First, we'll see who he is. Second, we'll see when he was. And then third and finally, we'll see what this means. With that, let's dig in to our text. John chapter 1, 
We'll start in verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is the word of the Lord. First point, who he is. The Gospel of John is the eyewitness testimony of the life of Jesus that came from the perspective of the Apostle John. Just like the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Apostle John was led by the Holy Spirit to capture the exact words that God intended for him to witness Christ. In other words, the Holy Spirit led John to write down specific words for a unique purpose. Now, so you don't have to guess what that purpose was, John tells you explicitly in chapter 20 what was his goal in writing down this historical record. Listen to John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. It says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the purpose of the Gospel of John. And this is what we'll see from different vantage points throughout this book. And as you hear these truths that John will share, you're meant to believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and that by believing this, you find life in him. Therefore, it's no coincidence that in these very first verses, in the very first verse of this gospel, we're told who Jesus is. So look again at verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Without hesitation or beating around the bush, John tells us that Jesus is the preexistent, eternal Word of God who was there in the beginning. Now, the reason he starts verse 1 out with in the beginning is because he expects you to also remember another book that starts this way. Remember, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John's point of saying the beginning, why he's referencing Genesis 1, is to start your mind at the same place that Genesis does, so you know the Word of God was also present in Genesis 1.1. And I'll explain later why this in the beginning matters, but first, John wants you to understand who Jesus is in relationship to God. Now, before I jump out and show you what that means, let me just give you some examples of how some people have failed to rightly understand who Jesus is. You have some people who say, well, Jesus is just a man. I mean, he's just like one of us. He just didn't sin, and he was a lot nicer than us, but he was just a man. But this doesn't make sense in light of the verse. Remember, he ties it into Genesis 1.1. Man had not been created yet. There was no man present in Genesis 1-1, but the Word was there. But you also got some people who believe that Jesus was just another created being like an angel or something a little higher than mankind. Beloved, this also doesn't make sense because in verse 2 and 3, no angel created everything. It said that the Word created everything. So if He created everything, He can't be created. And guess what? In Genesis 1-1, Angels hadn't been created yet either. 
But then also you have some people who think, okay, no, no, that's not it. He's not a man. He's not an angel. Jesus is the Father. Beloved, that also doesn't make sense in light of our text. Listen, there's a a difference between the Word of God and God, though the Word is God. Don't make sense, do it? A little hard and difficult to understand. We'll talk about that. All three of these views fail to read and understand what the Bible says about Jesus. This is why John is very specific in his description. He says, Jesus is the Word of God from the beginning. In order to grasp what John means, that Jesus is the Word of God, you have to understand the Old Testament and how it described God's Word. The Word of God wasn't just something that was spoken. It was actually personified as a person or someone who was active in the world in creation and fulfilling the will of God. The Word was powerful. It was present. It was eternal. It was everywhere God was since you could not separate God and His Word. They're one. John also shows the relationship between the Word and God. He says, the Word was with God and the Word was God. And as you learn later in the Gospel of John, the best way to understand this relationship between the Word and God, Jesus defines it as the Father and the Son. The Father and the Son are both eternal, both equally God, but they're also two distinct persons. This is the doctrine of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all equal in worth and value, all existing together in perfect union, making up the one God that we follow. If you want to picture it, just look at the baptism of Jesus. What happens? The Father is in heaven. He speaks from heaven and says, this is my beloved Son. But then also the Holy Spirit's present too. The Holy Spirit comes out of heaven like a dove. But then also Jesus is on the earth being baptized at that time. All all three equally called God in the Scriptures, but also distinct. Now, two questions typically arise when we talk about who God is and His nature. First question that typically comes up, why does it matter so much? Why does it matter that we understand this Trinity or who God is? Well, let me give you a human-level example. If my guy over here, if his name was John, and John was from 16th in Illinois, and I walk up to John, and I'd be like, what's up, Philip from Carmel? Ain't gonna make sense. He's like, that's not me. I'm like, yeah, it is, because I think Philip owed me $20. You got that money on me. He's like, bro, that's not me. Why are you mistaking me about somebody else? Beloved, on a human level, if you get that person wrong and it has implications, how much more for the God who created everything? This is why God wants to be rightly understood. But the second question that gets asked why is it so difficult to understand the nature of God? which is most of the time a genuine question. Well, think about it like this. We are finite beings. We're created beings, and we're trying to understand the Creator. Think about like a box. Let's say this box is everything that's in the universe. It's humanity. We're in this box, and we want to understand everything that's outside of the box, which is God. It's difficult. You can't wrap your mind around it. Why? Because our existence is inside this box, and God is outside of that box. The only way you can understand who that God is outside the box is if He tells you who He is. And this is how we understand the Trinity. God says, no, it matters who I am, but let me be the one to define who I am. Don't use your logic, but use the way I show you and tell you in my Word. Beloved, who Jesus is isn't something or someone we can take lightly. Who He is should directly impact how we live our lives 
because he's God. Because if he's God the Son, if he is him, then there are eternal implications that we follow in light of this truth. Which brings us to our next point, when he was. Second point, when he was. So John, as he intros this gospel, gives us a hint of just how important time or the concept of time will be to understanding who Christ is and his mission. This is why he mentions time not only in verse 1, but he also reemphasizes it again in verse 2. Look at it. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. John, make sure you hear this point. So why is time so important to understanding Christ and his mission? Well, since we know that Jesus is God, we must also know that Jesus as God sits outside of time. The Word of God isn't bound by limitations of time because he's the very person who created time itself. Think about how we measure time in our finite realities. We got seconds, minutes, hours, days, and years. Like, I remember being a kid, I thought a year was the longest thing in the world. I'm like, I gotta wait, how long till it's my birthday again? How long? Now that I'm older, bro, I feel like 2020 was last week. (laughs) We just got out of the pandemic, it's flying by. But listen to how God views this concept or this reality of time. Listen to Psalm 90, verses one through four. Psalm 90, verse 1, it says, Lord, you have been our refuge in every generation. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from eternity to eternity, you are God. You return mankind to dust, saying, return descendants of Adam. For in your sight, a thousand years are like yesterday that passes by, like a few hours of the night. Look at God's view of time. Jesus, the Word of God, was in the beginning because He's always existed as eternally God the Son. But check this out, church. Listen to me. As the people of God who are bound by time, this should encourage you that you have a Savior that sits outside of time. This should be something that encourages you that you follow somebody who's not bound by this thing called time. Let me give you a couple examples of why this should matter. For starters, because God sits outside of time, we are given divine providence. Divine providence. Do you ever look back at your life and say, yo, like when I look back, there's no way I should have made it through this. Like I even look back and I'm like in my own life, I'm like, yo, I remember this happening, bro, I should have been gone. And then I'm also looking back. I'm like, yo, now that I'm looking back at it, God was over here working. He was over there working. Even when I couldn't see it in my face then, but I'm now, I'm looking like, yo, God was working in my life. Beloved, what does that mean? That is the providence of God. This is what God does. He works all things that happen in our lives for our good and to make us look like him. He wasn't surprised at anything that came your way or it happened in your life because he had a plan to use it for his glory and your good. Now, I get it. Some people like, like, all right, Pastor Jeff, like, I hear what you're saying, but you don't understand. There's no way God could have used that in my life for good. That don't make sense. How he going to use that? 
Beloved, if God can take a cross and some nails and a crown of thorns and bring about the greatest salvation in all the universe, I promise you he can take the ugliness that happened in your life and still use it for good. Because we serve a God who sits outside of time and he doesn't see as we see. We have a Savior that sits outside of time. Let me give you another way that this benefits us. We're given divine patience. Divine patience. I've confessed this before to y'all. Y'all better be lucky that I'm not God because my patience trash. <laughs> Three kids under the age of six, I promise you. I'm like, yo, y'all are so cute, but why can't y'all act like adults? <laughs> I struggle with patience. When somebody do me wrong, I'm like, bruh, hey, you got one more time. I struggle with it. We, can we confess and be honest? <laughs> but listen how God is in his patience. 2 Peter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Beloved, the beauty of God sitting outside of time is that he's not bothered by our mistakes in the moment because he sees our trajectory in the future. This is the beauty of why God is so patient, because he's not in the moment. Anybody in here, how many times have you been like, yo, I just lost it because I was stuck in a moment? Beloved, God doesn't react that way because he's not bound by time. We have a Savior that sits outside of time. But let me give you another reason why this is a blessing. We're giving divine justice. In God's and Christ's justice system, there is no statute of limitations, Think about this. Even in our own judgment, in our own, like, earthly kingdom set up, there's this thing to where it's, oh, wait, if you didn't deal with it back then, if a crime happened and people didn't know about it, or if time passed long enough, you can't even be convicted for that same thing. Beloved, that's not the God that we serve. I can bet you that there's people in this room who's either been wronged or you know somebody who's been wronged by somebody else, and they're walking around today, and no justice has ever taken place. Like, this is something that's rocked me as a pastor. Like, over the last several years, the more people that I have to counsel and work with, but there's so much trauma that people have, and it's never been dealt with. Like, like this has bothered me. How many people I've talked to who've either been exalted or taken advantage of? Like, like, it's manip- like, it's crazy in my mind that we've had people manipulate people at young age, taken advantage of at kids, and majority of these people never end up coming to justice. They say most of the time when stuff like this happens, it happens by close relative. And guess what? Like, this is why this is so bad. Because then they say, hey, I tried to tell somebody, but nobody believed me. Or I didn't have enough evidence to show that it was true. And guess what? That scars that took place from these people's trauma end up affecting them for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And it breaks my heart because I'm like, God, like, like, I just want justice to take place because I see this person that you created in your image and they were used because of somebody else's selfishness. Beloved, the beauty of God sitting outside of time is, guess what? No sin is going to be overlooked. Justice will take place either now or in eternity. You cannot escape the judgment of God when you've done something against someone that he's created in his image. Lastly, most important reality of having a timeless Savior is that we're saved for all eternity. Listen to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. 
For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. Church, this is the gospel that we believe. God who sits outside of time, not only prepared beforehand for us to be his, but also he comes in and saves us in the moment and gives us a love that we could never taste on our own. But not only does he save us now, but he also provides us eternal seats next to him. Beloved, this is the gospel. The fact that Jesus came to this earth as a man, stepped inside of time in order to take the punishment that we deserve is such a blessing not only for the now, but he promises that when he redeems us, we're going to be living forever with him. This is the glorious gospel that we believe. Jesus, the Word of God, was in the beginning because not only is He God, but He also would choose to step inside of time in order to redeem His creation. And stepping into time not only saves us for our sin, from our sins, but it secures our eternal place. Therefore, let me, let me do this. Let me encourage you. Like, I, I get it. Sometimes when you're preaching, you're listening to the Word, but let me actually encourage you to pause and actually consider the way you view time. Like, like, really think about this. Are you living for eternity or are you living for now? Like, think about the things you do. The week you got planned out. You're already thinking about, when I leave church, I'm going to do this. And next week, I'm planning this two weeks, a month from now. Beloved, do you live your life thinking about eternity or do you live your life thinking about now? Something else to consider. Do you let now paralyze you, or can you move forward in faith knowing God holds your future? Some of us will struggle with anxiety. This is going to hit you a little bit. Are you so paralyzed by now that when God has called you to do things or make some moves or go certain places and do certain things that you're fearful because you don't believe that he's actually the one who holds and secures your future? Beloved, if we serve a God who holds time in his hands, we should never be afraid to move in faith. Jesus is the word from the beginning, so as his people, we should live for eternity. This leads us to our final point for what this means. Third, final point, what this means. So we first saw who he is and when he was, but now we'll hear what this means. Let's jump back into verse 3. Verse 3, John 1, it says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What does it mean that Jesus is the eternal Word of God? What does it mean that Jesus is God in flesh? Well, verse 3 answers this by showing you, well, first and foremost, it means he's the creator of everything that is created. John doesn't want you to mistake what he's saying. 
That's why he says all things he created and not anything that exists can exist outside of Jesus being the one who created it. Beloved, it's impossible for anything to exist outside of Christ being the one that gives us its life-existing source. This is why verse 4 says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. In other words, everything that has breath, everything that has life was created by Jesus, and not only did he create you, but he's also the one that sustains that life. It's no different than what we learned in Genesis. I'll read Genesis chapter 2. Feel free to write it down and pay attention to what Genesis 2 says when God creates mankind. It says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust onto the ground, out of the ground. Hold on, listen to this. God first forms man out of the ground from the dirt. But then it says, Then God breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Did you catch that? God formed mankind out of the dust, but it wasn't until God breathed his breath in him that man became a living being. Beloved, this is why all of life finds its source in God himself. This is why Jesus, the creator and giver of life, is said to have life all in himself in verse 4. So you with me, you're like, okay, that makes sense, but what does that mean? Beloved, what does it mean for all of creation that Jesus is their creator? Every created being is therefore required to walk in his purposes for his glory and not their own. If he is creator, if he created you, if you're not your own, you are required to live for his purposes and not your own. One of my favorite movies growing up, being a 90s kid, was Terminator 2. So Terminator 2 was cold, bro. I don't care what nobody say. So Arnold Schwarzenegger, like when he came in that movie, I want you to close your boost your motorcycle. <laughs> and he walked into the bar. You know, I, it was, I, that was my movie. But what's the plot of Terminator? What happens? Humanity got really, really smart, and they built these machines, and they created these machines to be used for their purposes of making life easier. But then something happened. The machines turned on their creator. These same machines that mankind created, now these machines start living their own way, so much so that they went against the ones that created them. Beloved, where are those machines? This is us. Remember, God is the one that created us for his purposes and his glory. We're the ones meant to be the shining aroma of the love and grace of God. We're the ones meant to be in his image and to rule the earth in his way, which means loving him and loving our neighbors as ourselves. But instead, we said, nah, I'm him. This is my life. This is what I want to do. If I want to go by, if I want to do this, if I want to manipulate these people, if I want to build up my kingdom, I'm going to do it because I want to do it. And God says, don't you remember who created you? This is what the word of God calls us to, is to realize who is the creator and then realize who is creation. Because when we know our place, we will rightfully respect him as he sits in his. Just think about in a 24-hour period, How often do we steal the glory of God? In a 24-hour period, how often do we steal the glory of our Creator? You wake up in the morning. As soon as you wake up, what's the first thing you do? Thank you, God. No. Let me check my social media real quick. Ooh, them likes running up. 
Oh, my boo text me. They hit me up. Or you got the coffee people. First thing you do, I need my coffee. I'm going to go downstairs, make my coffee. But if we actually live for God's glory, the first thing we should do is, God, thank you for waking me up this morning. Reality is, I know the only reason I can get up right now is because of your grace. But instead, it's our glory. And then, okay, what about when you're heading out the door, heading to work, or heading to school, what you do? You ain't like, God, Lord willing, I'll make it to where I'm going. you like, man, I got stuff to do, heading my way. Y'all better not cut me off in traffic. I'm going to snap on you. I'm going there. I'm doing what I got to do. And then you get to work. You ain't like, God, thank you for this job that I got. Thank you for blessing me with a way to take care of my family or to do this. you like, God, I'm trying to stun on my neighbors. And you're not thinking about your work as being something to glorify God. You're thinking about your work as something that you want to glorify you. Hopefully the people in my job know that I'm the best one here or I don't even care about this job. I'm just doing this because I want to do it. So you don't even see your job as a mission field. We ain't even made it through the 24 hours yet. We ain't got home, because I promise you, some of y'all, when y'all get home, y'all like, this my time. I've been working. These kids better not run up to me. See, I'm, I'm confessing my sin, because I'm telling you. <laughs> my wife knows. She'd be like, your daddy's home. I'd be like, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> we feel entitled. We want to break. It's about us, beloved. We have to challenge ourselves to remember who were we created for. It wasn't us. It's him. This is our reality because of sin affecting all creation. But beloved, don't let me just leave you on the bad news. Here's the beauty of verse 5. Listen to verse 5. The beauty that we'll see throughout the Gospel of John, it says, The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Even in our own lives, when we fail and fall short, the beauty is if God's the one working, believe me, he's not going to leave you in that place. Even in the world we live in, God is not ever going to allow darkness to overtake because he has a purpose and a mission for his kingdom that cannot be thwarted. The source of light himself, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, will shine in a dark world. We'll see him do it throughout the gospel of John and the ministry of Jesus, beloved, but we'll also see it today as we live out this mission as the church. Therefore, as I wrap up, let me just ask you to consider, as we're exploring the gospel of John, what it may mean for your life over this next year. As we're opening up the scriptures and seeing who Jesus is, what might that mean for you over the next year? Let me give you some things to consider. Beloved, let me ask you, please have an open hand as we walk through the gospel of John. Now, if I know the Word of God correctly and I know God's promises, His Word will not come back void. The Word is the same. It's there. But what the Word does a lot of time is it will take and apply it to each of our lives in unique, different ways. Beloved, as we're going through this book and God starts to work on your heart in certain areas, I would ask that you would have humilities and an open hand to say, okay, God, this is what you're leading me to. I'm going to be obedient and move. Beloved, as we walk through this book, I'm asking that wherever God may stretch you or press you, remember it is for His glory and not our own. Second thing I would ask, I would ask you to commit to inviting others to join us at this church as we go through the Gospel of John. Now, I'm not saying just invite people so they can come to our church. That's not what I'm saying. 
What I'm saying is that John, the gospel of John says that it's so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Beloved, if you got neighbors or friends who might not have a church home, who might not know who Jesus is, this will be a perfect time for you to be the body of Christ and help them to see that Jesus is who he says he is, not just with the word being preached, but also you letting it be preached in your lives. So to ask you, consider inviting others to believe in this Jesus. Last, I'd also make a very simple challenge as we're walking through the Gospel of John. Please take one chapter or two chapters a day and commit to just reading out of the Gospel of John. Now, do this for the next month. One or two chapters a day just reading and meditating on the Word of God. And if you need, like, a challenge with that, like, get a study Bible. It'll break down what you read. Or you can just pray through the things you're reading. For example, we got John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. After you read that, say, God, I thank you for being God. I thank you for being the eternal Word of God. And pray through this book as we read, because my hope for you is that John isn't just something that teaches us on Sunday morning, but it's something that affects you throughout the week. Let me bring this to a close. The gospel of John, as we'll see throughout this journey, is meant to encourage your faith in the Son of God. But it will also challenge you to let his life shine through your life and the way that you live. And I anticipate this light shining will be to the glory of God, and it will also be to other people coming and believing in the Jesus that saves Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, it is a blessing that we know the creator of the universe. God, the reality is, no matter where we're from or who we are, knowing the creator of all things should bless our lives beyond our imagination. God, let your people remember who they know so that when they're in their work week with their coworkers, they will shine the light of Christ. This week when we're challenged, not feeling patient with our kids, we will remember the God we belong to. God, as we think about the people that are in our spheres of influence, the people that are in our family, in our communities, God, let us be burdened just like your burden is we'll see through this gospel that all people will come and know that Jesus is the Christ. And I also pray, God, a prayer that may be challenging for many of us, God, that you would do as you will in our lives. One of the hardest things sometimes to do, God, is to relinquish the control we think we have and let you be the God that leads the decisions in the way that we live. So I pray for your people that they would have an open hand of seeing where it is you would like to work and move them. And I also pray that we would live on this mission and that we would give off the aroma of Christ that other people who may not know you will be intrigued, ask questions, and by the power of your spirit, they will be given new life in Christ as they believe the gospel. God, we expect you to do great things because you're a great God. It's to this end we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jeff, for bringing that encouraging word this morning.
We needed to hear that. We've come to our time.